Welcome to the Amy Williams Show. I am your host, Amy Williams, and this is season two. I'm so excited. And here I'm all about motivating and encouraging strong Christian businesswomen. I want you to know that whatever you may be facing in your life, you're not alone. Successes and failures are shared here, and not just by me, but by incredible guest speakers as well. So glad you found this podcast. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Amy Williams Show. It is my honor and privilege to introduce Vince Warnock. He is an award-winning business strategist, a coach, an author, and the host of the Chasing the Insights podcast. Hi, Vince. How are you? Oh, my goodness. I am so happy to be here, Amy. (laughs) I absolutely love talking to you. I love listening to your voice. I love your podcast, everything about you. Thank you for joining the show. (laughs) I feel like I do feel like this is just a giant excuse for the two of us to catch up, but that's all right. (laughs) Everyone else can listen in on it anyway. (laughs) It's like, hey, I feel like, you know, at some point we must have known each other because it's just it's smooth sailing, which is great. I I feel like we may have been separated at birth. Um, Can't quantify that, but there is a running theory that we may have been separated. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to do some research. Yeah, yeah. Do some, uh, what is it, 23andMe or? That's it, yeah. Ancestry.com. I'm sure we'll find out we're related somehow. Uh, that's great. So tell us a little bit about you. Uh, you know, I know we've got the award winning. So what awards have you won? Um, all of that good stuff. Let us get to know you a little better. Oh, wow. If we got two hours for the awards. No, I'm joking. Of course. Um, okay. I mean, well, all right. Going way, way back. Um, now I, uh, I've had a really interesting career and a very, very career. So I've been in and out of both corporate life and entrepreneurship through most of that career. Um, I started out as an electronics and computer engineer and a software engineer, then got into working on radio. I was an on-air announcer for one of our biggest radio stations here. And all the time, I just uh, kind of kept building and building this knowledge base and this finding out what I'm passionate about. And then one day I found out what it was, and that was marketing because I accidentally became a marketer. I remember I was just building websites because I love technology and I was sitting down in a bar and there were some friends of mine there and there were some friends of theirs who I didn't know. And they were talking about a project they were working on. And they said, oh, yeah, we, we've done this video and it's, it's incredible. We paid a million dollars for this video and it's going to showcase all of the stuff that we're doing in there. But we want it to be interactive. We want a different way of doing this. We want to be able to use this to be able to market us. And everyone we've approached has said it's going to cost half a million dollars. It's going to take them like four months and all this kind of thing to build this technology and to build this kind of way to use it. And I went, ah, what? Now, I'd had a few drinks. And I was just like, oh, come on. That's simple. I could do that in a weekend. And they went, really? I said, yeah, I'd only charge you 50 grand. And they went, okay. And I went, oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) What did I just do? Me and my big mouth. So I went away that weekend. Oh, that was a Friday night. I went away on the uh, Saturday morning, woke up and went, what the hell am I doing? I don't know anything about this. And then I realized, yes, I do. This is just technology and human behavior. Two things I'm incredibly passionate about. And two things through my whole career that I've been a part of, right? Working on radio, it was all about understanding people, what they like, what they don't like, understanding the way they behave and all this. Working in electronics and computer engineering, it was all the technology side of things. So I just combined the two of those. Um, Learned that the reason that everyone had um, kind of, you know, told them it was going to cost so much money was because it was really complex if you looked at it at the way that they described it. So I paired it back and said, okay, what are they actually wanting to achieve with this? 
what kind of results they want to achieve and then managed to do it in a weekend i built this thing um they they then they were really happy with this they submitted it for a number of awards they came back to me and said oh look there's this international w3 awards they've said that we're a finalist um but they want us to go over to vegas for the awards would you like to come with us and i'm like i'm here in new zealand and i'm going okay who are we up against and they went sony american airlines heineken and american express and i went well wow. okay first of all we have no chance. <laughs> this little old company from New Zealand is not going to beat people with those kind of budgets. So there's no point in us going over there. Like this was a not-for-profit that dealt with um, basically taxpayers' money. So I'm like, we're not going to waste taxpayers' money going over there. So then we found out the, the awards came and went. And then we found out that not only did we win, uh, we actually, we won like, I think six silvers in categories we didn't even know that there were. We won four golds and we won best in show. So we beat and you didn't go? everybody. And we didn't go. And to make it worse, by the way, Amy, guess who was the person handing out the awards? Will I Am. And I am a huge Will I Am. Oh, no, so, you didn't. Oh, yeah. I'm, I was. I almost cried. I'm like, what have I done? But that's when I realized, actually, I do know what I'm doing here. I'm really good mm -hmm. at this. The company came back to me and said, hey, we actually want you to work full time for us. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm doing freelancing, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they went, well, here's, the, here's how much we want to pay you. And I went, Okay, I'm, I'm joining the team. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Yay. Um, so that kind of started that portion of my career. And okay. then I've kind of gone in and out. Like I said, you know, I've gone from that where I've been working in marketing teams and running marketing teams to then um, creating my own companies and I would create companies and sell them. And that led me to uh, building Common Ledger, which is probably the biggest company I've ever built. So myself and my friend co-founded it. We grew it over, I think, around four years. I lose track of time. I don't even, I don't even know what year it is right now, to be honest. Um, so <laughs> we built it over about four years. And uh, we went through basically six months of no income whatsoever. And that was strategic. We knew that was going to be the case. Raised a million dollars worth of seed funding and then grew it from there until we sold it eventually. And that was a crazy journey. And I learned so much. I learned so much about people, about selling, about marketing. Um, but I also learned that I was burning out and that I needed to spend more time with my family. And that's when my my son came to me. He was 12 at the time and he sat me down. I just got back from a trip because, by the way, when you've got co-founders, so there was myself and Drew started it. We brought on board two other co-founders. Drew's a developer. I'm the marketing guy. We brought on board an accountant and a uh, lawyer. And of those four people, it sounds like a bad joke, but of those four people, who could you put in front of clients to sell something to? Yep, it's the marketing guy. So I was on the road nonstop. Mm -hmm. And most of our clients weren't even in New Zealand. They're mostly in Australia, US, UK, all those kind of places. So I was just on the road nonstop. And I thought, all right, this is not sustainable. Came back from a trip. My son sat me down and said, look, dad, I know you're building a really good company, but I think we need to spend more time together. And that does something to you as a dad. I immediately, a part of me was incredibly proud. Like half of me was just going, this is awesome that we have such a good relationship with our kids. And my son feels he can be open and honest with me without feeling like any kind of tension whatsoever. It was like, you know, dad, I can just be open with you. But the other half of me just went, ouch. So I went, mm -hmm. actually, that's a really good point. Hold that thought. Picked up my phone. As soon as I picked up my phone, he rolled his eyes. I don't know why I was actually picking up my phone there, Amy. Um, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm very kinesthetic. Um, so I picked up my phone in front of me, rolled his eyes, and it was kind of like, oh, dad's on the phone again. And I said, hold that thought. I rang my co-founders and I went, that's it. I'm out. I'm done. You, I, I was the majority shareholder. I um, said, we're, we're at the point now the company's growing so much. We can hire someone to replace me. I don't have a problem with that. But I need to spend more time with my family. And they on the other end of the phone uh honestly i've i've heard swear words i've never heard before in my life um there was people freaking out they were like ah and i was like talk monday bye 
hi, hung up the phone. Um, <laughs> but for my son, it was like, he suddenly realized that my family is far more important to me than anything I was building. Um, so that was the basis going forward. I knew that that, would, that had to be through every decision. It had to be what's best for my family and what's best for me. So I left there. I suddenly realized that I was the majority shareholder, but you can't actually buy groceries with equity. It's this weird concept. They look at you strange when you go, I'll give you a 0.001 of a share of my company <laughs> to pay for these groceries. They're like, ah, I don't think so. So I had to go and get a real job. So I joined the corporate world again and became the chief marketing officer at Cigna. Okay. Uh, so Cigna Insurance. And while I was there, that was a crazy ride. I really enjoyed it. Amazing people, incredible leadership team. And my team were just the best ever. Um, and we did some awesome work. And in that time, a couple of significant things happened. One, I published my first book called Chasing the Insights. And two, I was recognized by Adobe and Marketo as one of the top 50 marketers in the world. And that was a very humbling experience. Um, they, they wanted me to come over to a conference, didn't tell me why. They wanted me to speak there. We'll pay for everything. Well, and I'm like, no, no, you can't do that. I'm, I'm always wary as a CMO, conflict of interest. So I said, I'll pay for my own trip. Then Cigna went, no, no, we'll pay for your trip. And I'm like, yes, back to business class. Woohoo. Um, so, so flew over to flew over to San Francisco, spoke at this conference. In front of, there was about 7,000 people there. It was amazing. And they announced that they've launched this Fearless 50 program. And it was to recognize the top 50 marketers in the world. And they'd only selected the top 25. So to be in a room full of all the people that I respect, all the people I look up to was actually a bit overwhelming. And it was, it was incredibly humbling. But at the same time, I did not cope as well as I thought I would with that. Um, I remember there was a session there at, at the actual conference itself. So I went to a lot of the sessions. There was a session there where a professor was talking about imposter syndrome and how you sabotage yourself. And I had to leave the conference after that session. And I went and found a Starbucks somewhere. And I sat in the Starbucks, sat at the back of the Starbucks, with, got myself a coffee, well, what passes for coffee, um, got myself a coffee, sat in the back. And I remember the poor waitress coming over to me going, uh, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Like tears streaming down my face going, I'm just resorting my life, go away. <laughs> it was just, it was too much for my brain to kind of comprehend. And I realized, I'm dealing with a lot of baggage. I'm dealing with a lot of issues. I'm dealing with imposter syndrome, self-doubt. Um, and then to realize that most of us kind of deal with that stuff as well. It was a huge eye-opener. And that started the next kind of phase of my journey where I started to feel this pull away from what I was doing at Cigna into actually helping people. And one of the things, if, if you've ever been a CMO, you realize anything at that C-suite um, level, you basically treat people as numbers or dollar signs like your entire it's all about running the company and when you're in the fortune 100 um you have to do this a lot you know so that was that felt very inauthentic to me it felt like i wasn't being myself i was kind of operating as something that i'm not i'm very much a people person i need to be at the forefront of where i'm impacting others so that started this uh i say downward as well upward journey to go okay i don't care how much they pay me and by the way they paid a lot of money um, i don't care how much they pay me I need to focus on writing my next book, which is all about imposter syndrome. Uh, so I'm writing that at the moment. Um, and then that then very quickly. So I left Cigna in January, 2020, January of 2020. I was going to say 2021, uh, January of 2020. Um, then the pandemic hit while I'm writing my book and all of these businesses that I was talking to about, you know, dealing with imposter syndrome and that interviewing for my book, all of them had the same problem, which was, hey, we're in lockdown. We would love to help you, but we're not in the right headspace because all of our revenue has ceased everything. Mm. You know, these were stores, some of them were bricks and mortar stores. Some of them were chiropractors, some of them were lawyers, all these different businesses where they're going, I'm sorry, but we can't make any money at the moment. 
and we still have all the same overheads, we're kind of freaking out. And that's when I went, okay, I can't stand back. I mean, these people had helped me. I need to help them as well. So that's when I found out accidentally that I'm a marketing coach because I stepped in and said, look, let me help you. Let me let kind of and let me help you to understand your customers, understand the value you actually add to them, not the value you think you add, and how you can get additional revenue streams. And managed to turn around every single one of them during a lockdown and pandemic. In fact, one of them now makes triple the revenue they were beforehand, which is incredible. That's awesome. Um, but seeing those results also made me realize, why the hell didn't I do this sooner? <laughs> like, this is the most <laughs> satisfying, the most fulfilling job I've ever done in my life. So that leaving Signa to write that book morphed into writing two books at the same time, which I'm doing now, launching my podcast, which has been, and you'll know this, Amy, the most fun ever. It is the it most is so satisfying fun. thing. Yeah. Uh, and then finding I'm a marketing coach as well. So helping individuals through one-to-one -one work and now launching a group program as well. So I'm. someone asked me the other day, what, what, do you, what exactly do you do? And I went, uh, seriously, I'm just living the dream. I'm just having so <laughs> much fun and I'm being really fulfilled during it. So it's awesome. Yeah, it's the which hat are you referring to that I'm wearing today? Because yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also it's Tuesday, so I might find something new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Well, yes. Yeah. I think one of my absolute favorites about podcasting is just connecting with some of the coolest yes. people. You're like, 100%. where have you been my entire life? Yep. I genuinely well, you're I, in New I, Zealand. I've never been there. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> I genuinely um this was the thing. This is the thing that I don't tell you about podcasting. So I knew, right, launching a podcast is very strategic for me. It is a passion mm -hmm. project as well, because I used to love working on radio. Radio was one of my dream jobs, but there was a downside, which is the lack of pay. Because if you've ever worked in radio, um, they don't pay very well at all. It's rubbish. So I thought I need to, I need to move on from there and, and generate revenue. So running a podcast, I thought was going to be a replacement for that. I thought it's going to be somewhere where I can generate leads. Um, I know that people will see the value I add. So therefore they want to reach out. They want to help me. They want to work with me. Really, really simple. The bit they don't tell you though, is that connecting with all these amazing people. And I'm serious here. Some of the guests I've had on my show have gone on to become some of my best friends, like genuinely. In fact, one of them, um, we're going to be surprising everyone very soon, but one of the guests I had on my show based in the UK um, is actually flying over to New Zealand and we're not telling anyone, we're, we're going to surprise everyone because I'm well known in her community. She's well known in my community. And then suddenly the two of us are going to be there at dinner going, hello, <laughs> like it's going to blow That's them awesome. Yeah. That is it, so cool. Oh, it's just, and, and I, I love having people that you can just call up um, <laughs> who are on the similar journey yes. to you, where you can call them up and go, hey, I'm having a rough day, or I'm really struggling with this piece of copy, or I'm really struggling with what to do in this situation and to get their input on it and to get them. And we all, it, it's this, awesome little community now mm -hmm. and i realize amy all the listeners are going damn it now we want to launch a podcast um, that's <laughs> perfect because i'm yeah. the podcast coach so here we there go, we go. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect topic for this um <laughs> but it, but it is it is you do form this this little community of podcasters who genuinely want you to succeed which i think is mm -hmm. fantastic so um yes. it's been the best yes. journey ever yeah um so that journey is so crazy and there's a few things that you said in there um, in my, my notes, I just, the, that are sticking out to me, um, with marketing and you saying it's just technology plus human behavior. And yes. I think when you think about marketing, just like, it's like, okay, what do I got to do? Is it branding? Is it this, is it this, there's all these things. And you just broke it down with two words, like, nope, it's technology and human behavior. Yeah. It's, it really is that's that simple. simple. 
Yeah. One, one of the things I, I really don't like about the marketing industry, um, I'll get on my soapbox here for a moment. Um, one Go of the things I don't like is, well, two aspects. One, there is there is some unethical kind of behavior in marketing. Um, there's the the kind of bro marketers that, you know, 20x your results just by walking over a whole pile of people. No, don't do that. Um, so there's that aspect that I want to crush. But the other thing, and probably more important, is marketing becomes really inaccessible to a lot of entrepreneurs. And not because it's difficult, because it's not. It's actually quite simple. It's not easy, but it is very, very simple. The problem you've got is marketers are really insecure people. Like we're all incredibly insecure. So we feel if we make it sound intelligent, we make it sound really difficult, then you're all going to think we're special and you're all going to want to hire us to do your work for you. Instead of actually going, marketing is not that hard. It's about empowering the right people to put their message out there in the right way. So so that's why I kind of, I want to crush that aspect of an Amy and go, actually guys, you've got this. Right, you can totally do this yourself. You can hire people to do it. Sure. In fact, the more you learn about marketing, the more you want to pass it on to other people as well. Because despite thinking it's all, you know, coming up with cool ad campaigns and ultra creativity and playing with crowns or whatever your view of marketing is, the reality is very different. It's quite boring. It's a lot of spreadsheets. It's a lot of the technology side. So yeah, the more you the more you understand, the more you're empowered, the better. Hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. The empowering. If you empower the right person, yes, that's that's key. I want to yeah. go back to imposter syndrome. So you're writing a book about that. But when yeah. you said that you were in the coffee shop and tears are flowing down, what was one of the things that that you heard in that conference that made you like totally shut down? Yeah. Okay. So. For me, I've always known that imposter syndrome was there, even before it had a name, to be honest. Um, I still remember, I mean, I grew up, okay, a little bit of backstory for me. I grew up mm-hmm. in a not very nice environment. So I grew up in an abusive household. Um, I grew up in poverty. Um, I grew up in, in stuff that people shouldn't have to go through. So in those environments, you don't really feel any sense of hope. You don't really feel like you can achieve anything. So it wasn't until I had somebody believe in me one day when I was 11, in fact, somebody outside of the family believed in me. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is this strange feeling on the inside? Like, I, I could be something? Are you mad? Do you know who I am? <laughs> you moron. Um, so having that sense of hope and that sense of, of uh, basically a future and, and vision was amazing to me. So, uh, but I also knew that it came with problems because you know, when you don't have, when you're not used to that environment, anytime you stick your head up above other people, you don't feel like you belong there. You don't feel like you deserve recognition. You don't feel like you deserve praise. You don't feel like you deserve to be there at all. Um, and that kind of came to a head a number of times. One of them was when I was a, a young entrepreneur. Uh, I was still working in a corporate environment at the time, but I knew I wanted, I, I watched a lot of movies. That movies were my happy place. And I'd see these movies about successful people and like, yeah, I want a piece of that. You know, <laughs> I want to be, I want to be doing that. So I won tickets to this business breakfast and I was like, oh my goodness. It was a senior executive from Adobe uh, coming over to talk through his journey and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to hear from one of the best. I, I want his life essentially. I want to be this guy. Like he was an amazing public speaker. He had such an incredible journey. He was doing so well and he was getting paid a lot of money as well. But I knew if I go to this event, I'm going to stand out like a sore thumb because I don't even own a suit. And these were all business people. So I went to a Goodwill shop. I bought the most disgusting suit you would ever find. It was the only thing I could afford. It cost $10. It was a shiny gray suit, which I'm pretty sure even when it came out and when it's new, it still wasn't fashionable. Um, it was double-breasted, 
oversized like oh, the sleeves word. went down to my lower knuckles um and and at the time i had long hair tied back in a ponytail uh that was when i could grow hair so i walked into this event and immediately felt like i didn't belong i'm like what am i doing here i'm such a fraud like this is crazy and i sat at this table and in my mind this is how i kind of picture it in my mind everyone at that table had an armani suit like they were all they had their lives sorted they were all living the perfect dream and everything mm-hmm. just because to me they all looked like that you know mm-hmm. um so i'm sitting there feeling like i don't belong not wanting to be there but wanting to hear from this incredible speaker and he spoke and it was amazing it was so inspiring i was like oh this is great i took pages of notes oh and by the way i was broke at the time because of you know i was poor so free breakfast and free coffee oh boy i went away from there so full that was worth <laughs> the ten dollar suit wasn't it <laughs> exactly well worth the ten dollar suit um so i may have even stuffed some muffins in the pocket i think if i remember right um, but, but anyway this speaker when he finished he went around each of the tables and he would ask the same question he would come up and go hey do you guys have any questions for me and he was at the table next to us and he asked them and i knew he was coming to our table so i had this inner dialogue with my brain my brain's going okay man listen up right it's giving me a pep talk it's going okay vince you got one shot now man right this is your one opportunity to impress everybody here you have to ask an intelligent question and I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And then realize he's right beside me going, is there any questions? And out of my mouth, I just spurted, at what t- at what point did you know you'd made it? My brain just went, dude, seriously, that's a dumb question. I'm out of here, man. I give up. And I almost, I could almost hear the snicker around the table because everyone's kind of like, oh, you know, like dumb question. But the speaker turned around and floored me. He said, actually, that's a really good question. I'm going to let you in on, a, on one of my secrets. And the moment you hear somebody that you want to be like, somebody that mm. inspires you, say, I'm going to let you in on a secret. You're like, hello. I grab my pen and I'm like, I'm writing down every damn word that comes out of his mouth. This is going to be amazing. So he said, I'm going to let you in on my morning routine. I'm like, okay. I'd heard morning routines were important. This is going to be good. This is going to be all give, give me all the keys to success. And he goes, every morning I go through the same routine. I wake up deliberately early. So I'm like, okay. So I write down deliberately early. This is good. This is good. He goes, I go to the bathroom. I'm like, Ooh, bold choice, not the kitchen. Okay, bathroom. And he goes, I fill up the sink with cold water. I'm like, cold water. Should I ask him what temperature exactly? No, no, just write cold water, Vince. So I wrote cold water. And then he goes, fill up the sink with cold water, splash it on my face. I look at myself in the mirror and I go, ha, today's the day they find out you're a fraud. And I went, what? And he goes, I've never felt like I've made it, Vince. I always feel like I'm the dumbest guy in the room. I always feel like people are going to find out I have no idea what I'm doing. I have to remind myself every day that I've got this, that I've got a track record of success for a reason and that I know what I'm doing. And these were in the days before we'd even really given it a name. So we didn't really know it was imposter syndrome. Mm. But then he did something else. He, he, he indicated around the table and he said, and most of us here feel the same way. And I looked at everyone else at the table and most of them were nodding. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like it did so many things inside of me. First thing it did is made mm. me feel like I'm not alone. I was like, I feel like such a fraud. Like seriously, when I asked that question of him, I I didn't just want to run out of the room. I wanted to cry. I wanted to sprint out of there going, you're a moron. You do not belong here. What are you doing? And But then I look around this table and everyone there nodding, basically admitting that they they suffer from imposter syndrome as well. Hmm. They think they're a fraud. They don't feel like they belong there. It made me feel like I belonged. It made me realize I've got as much right to be at that table as everybody else there. Um, And also it made me realize that I now feel empathy towards all these people that I was like dismissing as, oh, they've got their lives all sorted. Now I actually felt an empathy towards them. Now I'd love to say that kind of solved everything from there, but it didn't, of course. <laughs> um, I've still been dealing with it most of my life. But I, I kind of, when I got to that conference, 
the thing that I heard in there, so I, I knew of imposter syndrome. I knew that at some point I was going to be writing a book on it. So I'm going to this professor's session. I'm going to write down every stat there because that's going to be super handy for the book. <laughs> I've got this. Uh -huh. gonna, oh, this will be awesome. <laughs> must must remember to make sure I attribute it to them. But I was sitting there and, and she was amazing. She was talking through um, who's susceptible to imposter syndrome. So basically 72% of all humans suffer from it or deal with it at some point in their life. But if you're an entrepreneur in that subsection of culture, um, it's pretty much all of you, unless you're a sociopath, and then you don't really care. Um, but for the rest of us, we all feel like we're a fraud. It's such feel an like encouraging number. Let's all just say we have yep. that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If you're a sociopath, just pretend you've got it, okay? <laughs> yeah. Just join the so, club, come on. Yeah, yeah, come join the club. <laughs> um, but there's a reason for that, and which I'll get to shortly. But then she went on to the next part, which is she talked about how we sabotage our life with this and how we self-sabotage. And that for me, even though the stats were all amazing, that was awesome. But when she got to the self-sabotage part, that was when it was very, very confronting. And then I started seeing all of the areas where I'd sabotaged myself. In fact, one of the biggest regrets I ever had when I published my um, first book, um, I spiraled into self-doubt after the book was published. I had a book launch there. It was amazing. Someone said to me, don't do a book launch. Months. No one goes to book launches anymore. And I'm like, ha, 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 you amateur fool. I'm a marketer. Hold my beer. I've got this. So I organized <laughs> this event. I got a hundred people there. It was just amazing. It was so supportive. Everyone there was incredible. They all wanted signed copies of the book, which is weird to get my head around if I'm honest. <laughs> I'm going, why do you want my autograph? Seriously, I'm I'm not a celebrity. I'm barely an average karaoke singer. Come on, people. So I, I'd sign these books, though. I'd hand them to them. I could rationalize that in my head. And then they all said something along the lines of, I can't wait to read it. And that started my stomach knotting. And that night, I left there. I should have been energized. I'm a high extrovert. Being around that many people, being the center of attention, it should have been my happiest moment. But I went away from there de-energized and feeling really bad. And I went to go to sleep that night and I just had this inner conversation going over and over in my head. My brain was going, who, what makes you think you've got the right to write a book, Vince? Like, who do you think you are? Like, seriously, do you really think anyone wants to read your book or they're going to read it and they're going to think you're such an amateur. Like, you know, this, mm -hmm. you've never written a book before. You just, you're, you're out of your comfort zone, man. Um, so I sabotaged myself for two weeks. I decided I'm not going to talk about the book anymore until I got confronted by one of my mentors who basically told me that he goes through the exact same process every time he puts out one of his 10 best-selling books. He's written eight books. They're all on like the New York Times best-selling list. He goes, obviously, I go through all of that myself. I'm like, really? But the biggest thing I did during that time, which I re do regret, is um, I had Forbes, CIO Magazine, and Diginomica all reach out to me and go, we want to do a profile piece of you. We want to highlight you in here and talk about your book and talk about the work you've been doing, talk about the recognition you're getting. And I turned all of them down. I said, sorry, guys, I'm chief marketing officer at Sigma. I'm way too busy for this, which, of course, I wasn't. That was just my defense mechanism. Uh -huh. And I just passed them off. And I, that's the one part of this I'm super regretful Ooh. for. But I'm not regretful for the process because it did right. help me to understand that I need to help other people because we all go through this. Uh, we all deal with it to different degrees. But also, we all have as much right to be here as each other. So that kind of started that journey. But that's that's what caused me to sit down in the cafe and burst into tears. It was realizing the sabotage I'd done over and over in my life, in my career. The ceiling I kept hitting was my own ceiling. It wasn't anybody else's ceiling. It wasn't anything that was placed over me. It was just my own mental limitations, essentially. Hmm. I think that's, that's good for anybody that's listening to know like, hey, 
you're not alone. (laughs) I had, I had that big time when I was launching season one and I still struggle with that launching too. Like, um, is anybody going to listen? And there's a lot, I have a lot of downloads for season one. I'm like, Oh, is this going to live up to season one? Is this like, there's so (laughs) many like, uh, uh, so to know, like that's normal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, here's the thing I know. Yeah, you, you, I mean, you're good at this. You know what you're doing. Season two is going to be amazing. Absolutely. But the funny thing is, like imposter syndrome, like your thoughts and feelings aren't aligned with the evidence in front of you. The evidence in no. front of you is you've got a rabid fan base here who are going to want to listen to this, who are waiting for these episodes. But in your mind and in, in, in your feelings and things, they're far removed from that. So you've got to align those two. This is why mm. I kind of teach people to like, this is, this is going to go against the grain of what you've heard of imposter syndrome before, because everyone says, fight it or push it off or don't let it affect you or anything i'm going you know what no imposter syndrome is not actually that bad like as in it in itself isn't inherently bad what is bad is what you do to sabotage yourself right which is Mm -hmm. a result of imposter syndrome but imposter syndrome itself is not bad so embrace it and the reason it's not bad is you need to understand what it is imposter syndrome is just your brain's way of going you're outside of your comfort zone you are now operating in an area that you are unfamiliar and I want you to get back here where it's safe. So your brain's trying to protect you and going out there is vulnerable. You're vulnerable out there. You could get hurt. You could get found out. So quick, come back here. And fear is the best way your brain knows to get you back into the comfort zone. So, so then we self-sabotage to get back in the comfort zone. But what if we could realize something, a fundamental truth of being an entrepreneur or a podcaster or an author or any of those kind of things is that, Outside of the comfort zone is exactly where we need to be because that's where growth happens. That's where breakthrough happens. That's where success, prosperity, all of these different things happen. So if that's where we're called to be outside the comfort zone, then when you're hearing these voices, and they're not literal voices, if they are, you probably should see a doctor. Um, (laughs) But when you're hearing this dialogue going over and over inside of you, when you're feeling the sense of self-doubt, then you should recognize that and go, brain, you know what? Super appreciate you looking out for me. I appreciate you trying to protect me, but right now I'm actually okay. I'm exactly where I need to be. And you know what? I've got this. So this is where I realized imposter syndrome. Everyone says imposter syndrome is about feeling like an imposter when you aren't, but the reality is you are, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like as entrepreneurs, as a podcaster, as all the, all these kind of things, when you're outside of your comfort zone, it's because you're making things up as you go along, which is exactly what you should be doing. Well, you're going in territories you've never been before. Again, exactly where you should be going. So if that's the case, you are an imposter by definition. And that's not a bad thing. In fact, it's something we should embrace and we should be proud of. I like that. There you go. I'm just on my soapbox. I like, from I like that. I like that. I like that. I was losing I was my like, voice. Just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is really important. So that's why I teach people, don't, don't fear imposter syndrome. That's a good thing. That's a sign you're in the right place. What you need to do is learn to deal with the self-doubt and the um, the self-sabotage, rather, that we do off the back of that. Yes. And, and part of, yeah, exactly. And part of the part of the thing I teach people is to basically write what I call an impact list. And I did this for myself. It is one of the most powerful things I think I've ever done. So what I do is I write down a list of everybody that I impact through my business, through my podcast, through, and they could be anonymous if you don't know who they are, just, you know, Joe Average, Jane Average, all those kind of things. <laughs> Um, it's down to, it's not even just business related stuff. I looked, I put my neighbor on there because I went and it was pouring with rain one day. It was almost hailing. It was horrible weather. And I was taking the bins out and I'm like, you know what? They shouldn't have to go out in the rain as well. I'm already drenched. So we never took their bins out. 
they were super grateful for that. And I'm going, okay, so I impacted them. I made their life a bit easier. So I write down this list. I write down their name or anonymous. I write down what their need was and how I helped them and what the result was. And when you first start that, you'll probably think of three or four names, maybe two or three. But as you keep pressing into it, you'll come up with all these names, all these different people that you've impacted. And then what happens is this list becomes really, really powerful for a number of reasons. The first thing is when you have those days that we all have as entrepreneurs where you're going, what the hell am I doing? No one's going to listen to my podcast. Nobody's going to read my books. Nobody's going to want to sign up for coaching. Nobody wants to hear from me. What right do I have? Blah, 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 blah. All the inner monologues that we have. When you're feeling that and you go to that list, it does something. It aligns the evidence with what your thoughts and feelings are, or rather moves your thoughts and feelings towards the evidence. So then you start mm. to realize, actually, this isn't correct thinking at all. The other thing it does is, and I don't know if you know how perspective works, but when we're, when we're looking inward, so when we're dealing with imposter syndrome, we're looking very much inward. We're looking at ourselves. But when we look at this list and we look at the people we're impacting, it shifts our focus from inward to over there, as in somebody else. And when you do that, everything that's close to you is now in your peripheral vision, which makes it blurry, which means you're not focused on it anymore. So these thoughts and feelings you've got, these doubts, these the self-sabotage aspect of it, all of that is no longer in focus, which means it doesn't consume you. You're now focused over there on the person that you're impacting. So it shifts your perspective, which is really, really powerful. The other thing it does too is, um, and this is the thing it had for me, I remember having a really bad day when I woke up and went, what the hell am I doing? I need to be an adult. I need to go and get a proper job. Come on, Vinny. And then I went into my list. I looked at it and realized if I don't turn up, if I just decided, screw it, I'm going to go and get a corporate job. And I look at this list of people that I'm impacting here. I'm denying them the potential for impact. And I'm denying other people what they've had as well, which means it's no longer about me. It's now about somebody else. And mm. that shifts your focus incredibly, especially if you're you know, heart-centered, you're an empathetic person like us, mm -hmm. then you immediately feel that and you go, you know what? I, they deserve that. They deserve their success. I need to be there for them. I need to show up, even though I'm feeling crappy and we all feel crappy because we're human. We have good days. We have bad days. That's part of being human. Mm -hmm. But I can still turn up and be powerful and help other people. Mm. You're dropping a lot of good bombs here. I'm like, my note, my notepaper is getting full. <laughs> you're, you're just drawing all this out, Amy. I'm like, every time I talk with you, it's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> we, we, we could go on weird tangents. Yeah. <laughs> I love it though because you're giving, you're giving your heart, and you're and you're yeah. being honest about it, which is so important. Um, yeah. You already shared the the major disappointment that you had in yourself with with turning down those things after oh, your book. Yeah. Right. And by the way, I'm determined now I'm going to get onto those magazines. <laughs> so like, I'm going to make sure I make up for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now yeah. you're working on two books. I so think you can do it twice. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and I'm going to relaunch my first. There you go. We'll do it all at there, once. There you go. Yeah. The trio. Yeah. I like yeah. it. We're going to go back into your marketing hat and say, is there anything in that area that you're doing right now? Um, or maybe advice to someone who's starting that you're yeah. like, this is, you know, a strategy for 2021. This is what's working, what's not working, like yeah. that type of. I think, yeah, definitely. Oh my goodness. There's so much. And hold on, hold on. With, yeah. with that, would it change, would your strategy change if you were in yeah. only in the digital space or if you were brick and mortar? Okay. Um, oh my goodness. There's so much here. Amy. There you go. I'll, um, just, I'll just sit back and let you go. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> <No. laughs> I think we spend a lot of time as entrepreneurs, whether it's bricks and mortar and digital, and actually all kind of, all of this is the same in one sense. 
we often get distracted by everything. Like we look at all the shiny objects out there. We look at all the different ways. And, we, and often, by the way, you're fed a pile of rubbish by other marketers who say, oh, you need this silver bullet. You know, if you run a digital course that's going to cause you to be rich or, you know, it's going to make you succeed. Or if you just do an email marketing strategy, that's going to be it. Or if you focus fully on Instagram or, or now get on TikTok or Clubhouse or whatever. Um, and we feel all this pressure and we think that there's, you know, what is the one thing we're missing out on that's going to get us to success? The reality is none of that because none of that actually matters. It all matters, but none of it matters. And what I mean by that is there is no silver bullet. There is no one thing that's gonna cause you to succeed. What's gonna cause you to succeed is making incremental gains all of, every single day. So just trying to be 1% better with your business every single day. And part of the way to do this, and it doesn't matter if you're in a bricks and mortar store or online, is to talk to your customers, talk to your potential customers. And this is probably one of the best kept secrets of marketing. Um, and is in one of my new books there, Amy, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> one of the best kept secrets in marketing is your potential customers, they, they not only will give you all of the insights you need to be able to build what you're building and to be able to market what you're doing, they will actually tell you directly how to market to them, even down to the words to use. Because if you like, and, and I encourage this for everyone, interview as many people as you can, like talk to as many people, record it. Like if you can't just ask them permission and say, look, I just want to record this session. I'd love to pick your brains and get them to tell you stories. Don't just ask them yes, no questions, get them to tell you stories. So for example, if you're selling a digital course, just talk to them about when was the last time you purchased a digital course or looked at a digital course and they'll go, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. So I'll answer the question. Then you go, okay, at the time, what was it that your needs were? Like, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? Like, describe the situation to me and get them to tell you exactly what they're thinking and feeling. Um, so what? why were you looking at a course? What was the process you went through? What made you hesitate when you're looking at a course? What was it ma made you attract to the, the course that you eventually bought? What, what were the other courses you looked at? Why did you not go with any of them? All of this information from them is going to give you so many different insights. But more importantly than that, the words that they use are going to describe how you market to them. And I'll give you a good example. I teach this stuff. I've been teaching this stuff for 20-something <clears throat> years. Um, but anyway, <laughs> a long time. Um, but I still, I still suffer from this as well. I still fall from my own trap here. I remember talking to um, a lovely couple from Melbourne, these two old ladies who run a bricks and mortar store there. It's a cafe where they teach you to knit. So, you know, you go in there, you learn to knit, you buy your scone with your jam and cream on, you buy your cup of tea or, or a glass of wine. They have a wine list there. Um, so you buy your glass of wine and then you buy I know, I know. It made me <laughs> intrigued for knitting. Um, and then you buy your supplies from there. So that was their model, right? And I remember saying to them, right, we went through COVID, through the pandemic and the lockdown, um, got them to put all their store online. They had some massive successes from that. Got them to think different about the community aspect of what they do, how they bring people together because they can't do that face-to-face. -face. Um, and I remember thinking, right, okay, thinking we've got their website up and running, but they're getting no organic traffic whatsoever. And part of that reason was they, they weren't being found on Google at all. They're on like page four or something. So I said to them, look, you've got a, a search engine optimization problem, right? So what I want to do is I'm going to do an SEO audit on your website. And I'm going to come back with a strategy that's going to get you on the front page. And they went, um, look, love, we don't care about any of that. And I was like, what? And they go, we just want to be found on Google. Now, of course, that's exactly what I was saying. But now <laughs> it's in their words. So I just had that, oh, my goodness, like facepalm moment of going, I teach people this stuff. And look at what I just did. I used uh -huh. all my terminology, all the way that I described this. So I said to them, okay, I turned it around and said, so the problem is you're not getting found on Google. Correct. Okay. And you want to get found on Google? Yes. So how about I find out why you're not getting found on Google? Yes, please. 
and then we get you found on Google. They're like, oh my goodness, take my money. And I'm like, it's just so simple. So it's you like they will give said. you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's frustrating sometimes. Like, are you not listening to me? No, they're not, because you're using your own terminology. Yeah. So actually, people will describe to you their needs. They will describe to you what they're thinking at the time that you're selling to them. And those are the pieces of gold that you're going to need to position yourself. And that doesn't matter if you're bricks and mortar. It doesn't matter if you're an online course. It doesn't matter if you're selling widgets. It doesn't matter if you're selling services. It's about getting in the head of your clients and potential client and getting them to tell you what you need. So we always, um, in digital marketing space, we always talk about like demographic targeting and sociographic targeting. So, you know, targeting based on uh, age, gender, um, location, geolocation, all those kind of things. Um, then looking at you know what their um, like what their behaviors are and all this kind of stuff. I say scrap all of that. By the way, demographic targeting is irrelevant to a degree. There's some areas where it's important. Like if you're selling something to the elderly, then sure you want over a certain age. But in reality, most of those things were stereotypes anyway. What you really need to do is you need to do something I call thinker graphics. You need to get into the head of the user. You need to understand the questions that they have, the objections they have, the things that cause them to pause for a moment, the things that cause them to feel a jarring effect, the things that make them feel excited about what you're doing. You need to understand all this. And the only way to get that information is to talk to them and get them to tell you stories. Hmm. I love it. That's so good. Think a thinkographic. Thinkographic. Yep. I, I should probably trademark that, I think. No. <laughs> I love making up words. It's just one of my stupid little pleasures. I came up with thinkographics and wiregraphics. I'm like, you know what? Let's run with that. Like yeah. Yeah. Hey, if you yeah. if you get it out there, then everybody will know it came from you, trademark you or not. You heard yeah. it here. <laughs> love it. Uh, all right. I have one question for you, and I think we'll probably wrap it up. If you had to go back, because you've had quite yep. a ride, if you had to go back um, to the younger years, what would be the one piece of knowledge that you're like, I can't lose this. I need to keep this piece yeah. and I can, I can do it over again. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to think how to word this. Um, it is don't be ready. And so people always say launch before you're ready. I'm, I'm actually saying launch deliberately launch before you're ready. Like don't be ready before you launch anything before you're starting your own business, before you're moving into a new corporate role, just jump head first into this thing because you're going to make it up as you go along anyway. So why delay it? And there's so many different initiatives and so many different businesses I've had where we delayed it for about a year to make sure we knew what we were doing before we went into it. And actually, we could have had a whole year of growth there. So actually not being ready forces you to do something. It forces you to talk to your customers. It forces you to try and understand them deeply. Because if you go ahead and you go, say, for example, I was building, I don't know, what am I going to build? I was building a widget, a widget that does something. I could go, I think that this is the best way to do this widget. I think this is going to change the world. Everyone's going to buy this widget. So I design the widget, I make the widget, and then I go out there and try and market it. I will get a level of success. But if I said, you know what? I have no idea what that widget's going to look like. I'm going to launch anyway. And got in front of the customers and said, what kind of widgets are going to help you? Like, what are your needs? And actually design it with your customers. Actually start to understand deeply what would help them, then you would make a widget that works best for them and then it would market itself. You don't mm. need to go then, I've built this thing and now I'm going out there going, this is the best thing since sliced bread. I'm actually going out there with something that people are going to me to say, that is better than sliced bread. So it would be just don't even bother trying to be ready, just launch anyway and just make it up as you go along because that's how we're going to do it. That's, that's just how business works. 
I mean, I'm glad we're recording this because I'm going to be able to replay it, but it's really just for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Like I said, it's like, just you and I that person. Yeah. I, I'm so that person. I'm guilty yeah. as charged. Like, seriously, I have to, like, I'm a, a planner. Uh, yeah. I like to have things in place. I need to know, like we were talking about, I'm working on my website and I'm like, yeah. I have to have it ready before I can do anything else. And, or, <laughs> you know, I'm working on building my course and I'm like, well, I can't talk about my course unless I'm ready first. And, oh my word, you're uh, speaking to me. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Honestly, this is the funniest thing about being a human being, I guess, is we get in our heads so many times and actually often we overthink everything. Like oh, seriously, everything. we all suffer from that. We go, oh, but it could end up in disaster. It could end up in this. Who cares? Seriously, what if it succeeds? Why don't you just launch it anyway? And yes, it may not work. And if it doesn't work, just make a different decision. Just right. go, okay, well, that didn't work. I'll try again. Well, that didn't work. I'll do something different. Um, but but the longer you delay it, the longer you're delaying success as well. Mm. Very true. I think there's, you've, you've said something a couple different times and you keep saying fear and mm -hmm. it makes me think of two things. One fear of failure and the other fear of success. And yep. I've always like, you know, people are told, oh, you're, are you scared of failure or are you scared? I'm like, I don't know which one I'm scared of. <laughs> I'm scared of both. Like I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. Fear of both. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in fear of, okay, if I do this and it actually works and I go, oh my word, you know, yeah. or if I do this and it's a flop, then I've failed. Yeah. You know, I, I would add a third one into there, Amy, as well. And, and I think most entrepreneurs fear failure and fear success, but more than that, often we fear visibility. We fear being seen. And by that, I mean, we're worried that if we put something out there and it doesn't work, we'll be judged. Or if we put yeah. something out there and it is work, people will think, oh, yeah, but really, I know you. I know that that's, you know, you're, you're making bold claims there, but, you know, we see through you. So we all fear that kind of feedback that we might get. But the reality is, and this is the crazy thing, when we're fearing, fearing visibility, half the time people don't pay attention to us anyway. In fact, more than half the time. They're so right. self-absorbed in their own lives because they're humans and that's what we do that they don't even notice what you're doing. Even when I launched, when, when I left Cigna, um, the CEO said to me, Basically, I think she wanted to get me a counselor. She was like, do you know how much we pay you? Are you insane? Um, so I was like, yes, I do. But no, I know what I'm doing. Um, and I left there with the plan to write my next book. And then when I started launching all this other stuff, and when I started launching the podcast and, and moving into coaching and things, I was actually really worried that people there would see that and judge me. Because they're going, oh, yeah, but I know, you know, I don't think you're up to that, Vince. Or, you know, I know how much you struggle with this aspect of the job here. And yet you're here helping people. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm helping people. I know what this is like. Or you feel that if you're being vulnerable in front of people, they may judge you as well. So mm -hmm. fear of visibility is very real. But the reality is we need to suck it up as entrepreneurs and go, you know what? Fear is just our brain. Again, similar to imposter syndrome. It's just our brain trying to protect us. But let's just put ourselves out there anyway. Because like I said, with the impact list. There are people out there yeah. that are genuinely waiting for you to show up, genuinely waiting for you to do what you're doing and need you in their life. It's as simple as that. I love it. Uh, I can keep talking to you like for a really long time. Uh, <laughs> I know. We just need to schedule some other calls in. Maybe, maybe we'll, we do. Maybe we yeah, need to do. We'll talk Marvel movies next. No. <laughs> well, yeah. then I'll have to have my husband come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a Marvel yeah. fan. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, which one's Marvel? That's me. You know. Oh, wow. I'm yeah, same sorry. One. yeah. My wife's like, Marvel, that's Batman, isn't it? I'm like, I'm dying on the inside here, love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he has literally tried to explain it to me. Um, I'm like, I- I'll just watch the movie. They're good movies, but like try and make it all make sense. It's just not going to happen. Oh, yep. But yep. he's, but he's, you know, had the comics and all that, you know. Yep. It's, I grew up with the comics. I love it. Yes. Yeah. It's, yes. it's our time. Like just, he'll appreciate this as well. It's the age of the geek, right? This is our time to shine. We've got, yes. you know, we've got literally entire streaming services now, which have all of our favorite movies on from Star Wars, from Marvel, from everything, constant TV show. Oh, I'm loving the world right now. It's incredible. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. All right. So how can um, anyone who's listening come and find you and, uh, work with you or follow you, all those good things. Wow, Amy, I make that really simple. Um, we were joking <laughs> about the website before. Um, <laughs> just go to my website, chasingtheinsights.com. Um, so chasingtheinsights.com is the home of my podcast. So you get to listen to those episodes there. It's also the home of my book and all those kind of things. But also there's two very important aspects there. One of them is my social channels. So do reach out to me, connect with me on social. I'm always keen to have a conversation with people. But more than that, there is a link on my website to book a free strategy call. So if you're struggling with any area of marketing or even entrepreneurship, to be honest, anything there where you're going, hey, what you've talked about today resonates with me uh, and I need some extra help in that, there's an obligation-free 30-minute strategy call that I'll do with you and I will give you clarity in there. That is my entire goal. So I'll sit with you for 30 minutes. We'll deep dive on one of those areas. And at the end of that, you will walk away with clarity. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, I just want to say thank you so much. I don't even want to be done talking. I want to keep going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're going to have to have you back on the podcast. You're going oh, to have to. You're going to have to be right. a, a just just what, to catch up with you, like Amy. A serial yeah. guest. <laughs> uh, yeah. oh, here's Vince again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening in to The Amy Williams Show. For more about this episode or how you can start your own podcast, go check out theamywilliams.com. If you have a moment, would you please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher? It's seriously one of the biggest compliments you could give. Also, come find me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok using the handle at The Amy Williams Show. Can't wait to see you over there. And don't forget, you are not made for a small life. It's time for you to go after it and live out your purpose. See you next week.